It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hi, it's Tony and Jenny Bruski from Real Ghost Stories Online. Every week, we work hard at giving you the best real ghost stories we can find for free through the podcast. But producing and maintaining the show isn't so free for us. And that's why we're asking for your support. If you like the show, please become an EPP. That's an extra podcast person through the button at realghoststoriesonline.com. As an EPP, you'll get an additional bonus exclusive episode of the show to enjoy every weekend. Plus, you'll have access to our exclusive EPP video content and backlog of exclusive EPP. EPP bonus episodes as well. It's only five bucks a month for all these extras. And your support helps to keep our daily free version of the show alive and on the air. Become an EPP now at realghoststoriesonline.com. Please and thank you. Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Call in your real ghost story now at 855-853-4802 or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. You're about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. Tonight, a little boy's visit at night by a soldier may be more than a random acquaintance. A benevolent ghost haunts a night shift worker in a 100-year-old factory. Could a war-era collectible be responsible for these strange happenings in a home? The victim of a murder returns to look for a lost valuable. Could this valuable be the item that leads to her killer's capture? And a child suffers terrors at night, but it is not while she is sleeping. Those stories, your calls, and more tonight on Real Ghost Stories Online. Tony and Jenny Bruski joining you once again. Hello. Hello, how are you? I'm good, how are you? Pepperminty fresh. <laughs> yeah, I got too much peppermint lotion on my hands and had to share. So now you smell really girly right now. Yeah, I do, and it's one of those things, too, where... I don't mind putting lotion on my hands every now and then, but I always forget, oh yeah, that I'm touching keyboards and mice and, you know, all sorts of things, and then it gets really slippery, and especially when you touch mice, you know, like from the pet store. That's gross. (laughs) Peppermint-scented mice. New for the holidays. Uh, Yeah, so anywho, uh, it is minty and fresh in here. I have the bacon chopstick going on, too, so... It's like a buffet of Christmas right over here. You went to give me a kiss on the cheek the other day, and you mm-hmm. had that stuff on, and you smelled like bacon bits. Yeah, that's what it smells like. It's... Ew. I have ham salad, too. You do not. Just wait. You do not. <laughs> it's all of the holiday favorites. Uh, the phone number is 855-853-4802 if you'd like to call in your real ghost story. And if you like the show... Well, be sure to tell a friend about it. Share a link on Facebook or Twitter. Your support, of course, is what helps keep our show alive. Uh, And uh, tonight, let's kick off the show with a letter. Uh, This is written in uh, from Chris in Liverpool, England. Ever been to Liverpool? I've never been to Liverpool. I would like to go sometime. Looks like a lovely community. 
Mm-hmm. And I simply asked her that question so I could take a sip of water because I was going to cough. And I tried to stretch that answer out You should have a gone a little bit. bit further. You should have okay. been like, you know what? But I had once had a dream of Liverpool as a young lass. And use the word lass. Yeah. That should be, I'll use the word lad, you use the word lass more frequently. You know? That's not stereotypical at all. I'm not being stereotypical. I think it's more era, not, not necessarily ge- geography. Is it? I thought that was more of like a Irish-Scottish thing. Nah, it probably is. But so I, I, but it wouldn't I, even be appropriate for Liverpool. For ye lads and lasses. What Christmas song is that from? I don't know. I know it's from some Christmas song, but I can't think of it. Anyhow. It says, hi, uh, I'm Chris from Liverpool, England. I have just uh, started listening to your podcast. It's amazing. It helps my workday go by. And it's nice to know there are like-minded people who are open to strange and paranormal things. That are happening to them too. So my story starts when I was only five years old. So when he was a young lad, if you will. Hmm? My mom, dad, and I just moved into a newly built house. My mom had just given birth to my little sister, a young lass, who kept... (laughs) Shut (laughs) up. Just read the story. (coughs) I need to talk because you made me cough. (laughs) All right. That's just obnoxious. Ah. Sorry, I got that kind of cough thing going on. Who kept her up most nights. About two months into living in our new house, my mom was woken by a ba- my baby sister around 2 a.m. who went to feed her. I'm passing my room <clears throat> with my sister in her arms. She could hear me giggling and talking to someone. Thinking nothing of it and that I was having a dream, she'd carry on tending to my sister. This continued for about a month. Concerned, my mom asked me one day who I was talking to every night, expecting me to say, I don't know, I was asleep. She was shocked, and I replied, the soldier. Shocked, my mom said, what soldier, what does he look like? I described him as a tall man with a white helmet and red jacket and big curly white mustache. Puzzled, my mom then asked me about what he talked to me about, to which I replied, he tells me about the lions and monkeys in Africa and fighting in the war. This continued again for another two weeks. My mom then decided to question the neighbors next door as the houses there were much older. My mom asked the old lady next door what was on the land before the houses were built. The old woman replied that she had lived there for 40 years and there has been nothing as far as she knew. It has always just been a grassy patch of open land. This did not help answer any questions. She checked the area's history record and again to no avail. The old woman was right. Nothing was there for as far as the records go. Distressed that I was talking to this strange soldier, she began seeking advice from my grandmother and great-grandmother, explaining to my grandparents the details about the strange goings-on. My great-grandmother said jokingly that it could have been my great-grandfather's great-grandfather. My great-grandmother then got up and hurried off upstairs, only to return with an old book and white picture of my great-great-great-grandfather. She gave the picture to my mother to take home and show me. After she picked me up from school and we got home, my mom sat me down and showed me the picture. Before she could ask me any questions, I said, See, Mommy, do you know the soldier? She said, Is this the man you've been talking to? I replied, Yes. He said he's here to look after me because we moved houses. My mom said, so, you know he's your great-granddad's great-granddad? 
I said, yes, but he doesn't like being called granddad. He prefers major. Oh, it's major dad. <clears throat> major great-granddad. Major great-granddad. My mom, <clears throat> who was with her mind at, uh, now with her mind at ease, told my great-granddad, he said that his father always talked about the major, and he was happy to know his family was still looking out for each other. The activity died off slowly as I got older, but to this date, I personally don't remember any of it. Both my mom and my nan said I had numerous different experiences as a child, and I have had a few strange things happen to me as I grew up. But there are stories I'll tell you for another time. Thank you for letting me share this short experience with you. I can only imagine. I've blocked this out of my mind as I grew up because something had scared me. At this moment, I still don't think I want to awaken any skills or talents to see or talk to the other side. I think I'm mentally prepared. I don't think I'm mentally prepared for this uh, as of yet. Love the show. Keep up the good work. Thanks, Chris Wright. I wonder how ghosts can find you when it's been that much time and it doesn't sound like (coughs) the great-grandfather came back and haunted other family members. It's just, you know, it's been that many generations and they've moved and been in a new house. I just, I think that's very interesting that they can come and find you wherever you are. Google Earth. Yeah, because I'm sure he knows exactly how to use that. Well, maybe they're using the white pages. (laughs) I think it predates that, That's true. Um, You know, it's one of those things I think about where I wonder, can you already be kind of passed over and off in your happy land and the other life on the other side and then be summoned back? Like, you know, for some reason, you know, an angel or whatever says... Hey, your family needs a little attention here. Would you like to go back and watch over them? And then you can choose to go and watch over them? I know, I'm just shooting the idea out there. I you know, can't argue <clears throat> with the idea. Or choose when to come and go. Or maybe you're there quite frequently, and only to certain people do you become visible to. Or you know, It's interesting you said that he came to watch over them because they moved houses. Why? Why would he not have been watching them over at the previous house? Why does a new house require extra watching you know maybe there's something they knew or know about that new house that the people didn't know and that that's the reason it was summoned back i don't know well that or it could be a challenging time in his life as a child because he's got a new baby sister and that's that's a real hard adjustment yeah especially the older you are you know five six that's a difficult adjustment so it could be he came back for that could be could be. It's interesting how uh, he very much defined himself as the major, and they could trace it back to who it was. Mm-hmm. And it makes you wonder how far back your own family can follow you around your house. Yeah, I don't know. It's very interesting. Would you be disturbed if Mana started walking around the house you and know, closing I've doors? I've been worried about that because <laughs> I have that that old uh-huh. chair that was hers. Sure. I don't think she'd do anything. I really don't. No? No. I mean, she wasn't the nicest lady when she was alive, Mm -hmm. by any means, but I don't think she'd come back and do mean things. No, she'd just probably hang out on the chair or something, or make you feel really uncomfortable if you're sitting in the chair, because she wants to sit in the chair. Okay, disclosure right here. I don't look out the window at that chair at night. (laughs) 
I'm just it's like me and mirrors. Yeah. Isn't it? Okay. Yeah. It's not anywhere. Well, is that why it's tipped on its side right no, now? No, it's tipped on its side because it slightly rocks. And so when the wind blows it, it makes it bounce on the deck. Oh, okay. and that's right outside our room, so that's annoying at night. So that's why it's annoying. I, or you do you get creeped out seeing it rocking by itself? Well, I have not stood it back up on days where it's not windy. Okay, well there we go. That answers that question. There you go. <laughs> Make it's, of it what we use. It's an old, you know, metal chair. It is. I um, as a kid, I remember going through the woods uh, in the first house that I lived in until I was about three and a half, and for whatever reason, you know, nineteen eighty. Five parents thought nothing of letting their children run through the woods by themselves um, as the age of three. Um, but I did. And uh, I was just, you know, eh, you're fine in the backyard in the woods. And uh, I would explore, of course, a little bit beyond our property line into the kind of the neighbor's woods a little bit, too. And back there, I remember uh, there being two chairs like that um, just sitting there kind of rusting away in the woods and they were really creepy. I remember having nightmares as a child of wandering into the woods by myself and then sitting in one of those chairs as I approached it was that creepy Lady Elaine character from Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. (laughs) The one that lives in the the circular thing. Uh It was kind of a witch-like thing with a real freaky long nose. Uh And she was sitting in there as a witch. Wow. And then I woke up. But that's my association with those metal chairs. I like them, but I just that was like kind of a spooky thought as a child. I do too. I'm glad I have that. That was really the only thing that I wanted from her stuff. And, and for whatever reason, for those of you who don't know, Mana was my great grandmother who just passed away about a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. I don't know why we called her Mana, but that's what we always called her. Was it a Louisiana thing? I don't think so. No. My great grandfather, we called him Potty. Just nicknames. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, 855-853-4802. That's our phone number. Timothy writes in, May this email find you well and in good spirits. And the same to you, young lad. One, <laughs> once a month, I do a fire extinguisher inspection on this 108-year-old factory that I've worked in for the past 32 years. So he's not a young lad after all. There's about 50 fire extinguishers that I inspect. I've done this many times. This particular evening at 11 p.m., I was in the basement by myself inspecting extinguishers. I walked into the deepest part of the basement past the freight elevator. I inspected extinguishers back there and was returning back the way I had come. As I approached the freight elevator again, I noticed the large door in the electrical box was open. They are in a large steel cage. And in all the years working here, I've never seen that door open. It was not open when I passed the first time. Strange, I thought, as I peered in. My light landed on a fire extinguisher in the back of the cage. There was never one in there before. It was not on my list, and I surmised that the vendor added it without my knowledge. I inspected that unit, added it to my list, and as I was leaving the cage, I looked at the door handle and saw that it could only be opened from the inside. You had to have a key to open it from the outside because it was high voltage. Hmm. I was stunned because I realized that some entity opened that door for me so that I would inspect the new fire extinguisher. A helpful spirit. 
I have quite a few stories about this place. I work nights and am here now writing this. Sincerely and respectfully, Tim. Okay, Tim is the same one who, on a couple episodes ago, uh, left us a message about the the sign that he had to make it work. And he went and he turned on, like, the laminating machine mm. and he left it there and then it disappeared. Yeah. So... Where the items physically... Yeah, mm-hmm. it wasn't like a... Did I do that? Didn't I do that? It's, it took some time to do it. Yeah, and then the sign reappeared later. Interesting. So it sounds like he has a very active workplace. Yeah. And I wonder if it's a different spirit that was nice and opened up that, you know, that door so he could check that extinguisher he didn't know about mm-hmm. as if that was the same one that hid the sign on him that time. Someone has a, maybe has an affinity for the building or for whatever reason, you know, from employee, former owner of the building or a, a, a business within that building. I don't know. I don't know either. You know, lots yeah. of possibilities there. Uh, let's go to another letter. Jeff writes in, I'm a Civil War collector. I collect Civil War currency, badges, metal, coat buttons, and letters. Hey, we should start collecting those things, honey. What do you think? A nice little uh, vanity of them in the bedroom? How about, no. You think those things would hold any sort of... Uh... Oh, maybe just a little bit. Let's read on. I collect anything related to the Civil War. One Saturday in October of 2013, I went to an estate auction. The auction had many items. The gentleman who all this belonged to died and was 86, 87 years old. I won a couple of items at the auction. There were many other items I would have loved to have. However, my cash reserves were low. You think when these items go to auction do you th- and they get broken up, meaning like if it was a collection that was from one person, from their stuff, and not... Like, literally passed down from family member to family member to family member from one soldier. Mm-hmm. And they get broken up at an auction. Do you think that can trigger anything? If it's like some medals, you know, one person has a medal over here, one person has one over there. You know, items, you know. I wonder if that disturbs. I could see that disturbing it, but, you know, a lot of collectors... And auctioneers realize that there is more value to keep the collection together. If it's like sure. a full-on uniform, head-to-toe, everything that belonged to somebody sure. in their family, it's worth a lot more to sell it as a whole unit. Sure. And they almost, you know, if it's that old, most of the time they refuse to break it up. But sometimes they do get broken up. And I'm just saying when they do get broken up, yeah. does that disturb the entity if there's one still around the stuff, you know? I don't know. Because he says he bought a couple items, you know, so I'm thinking maybe some of it was broken up here. I don't know. That or it could have been this older gentleman was a collector himself. Sure. I mean, that, that's a case, too. But I'm saying when it's from a family, you know, yeah. like one specific thing. Huh, I don't know. Just a thought. After the auction was done, I went to pay for the uh, pay for it and pick up the items I'd won. Waiting in line, I started to talk to another gentleman and found out he was a Civil War collector. And we uh, had a a bid against each other on items. During many other online and phone bids in other auctions, we paid for our items and we started to talk about how we were hoping there were more unusual items at the auction, but it mostly was run-of-the-mill items. The gentleman behind us in a low voice said that he might have such an item. Turned out to be the grandson of that 86- to 87-year-old man. He wanted nothing to do with any of that estate. He sparked our attention and started to 
talk to him to find out why exactly uh, this item, what this item was. He was kind of a strange person. He talked in low, metered sentences and was very pale. He had no emotion on his face, nor could I get a clue as to his personality. He'd not come out and tell us what this item was. Every time he started to tell us, he would become tongue-tied, and he said, I'll take you to it. We thought this kind of strange, but since there were two of us, we felt we'd be safe. This all happened in southern Indiana. We got in our cars and followed him for about a half hour. Then he pulled onto this gravel road. This area was very rural. The stone road led to an old barn. This barn looked like it had better days, and its better days were behind it. It had not been taken care of for many years, and when we got into the barn, the odd guy points to the middle of the barn and says, It's in the trunk. Again, this trunk looked old and weathered. He'd not get too close to it and just told us to go look. We went to the trunk, and inside was a cap of a Civil War medic. From what he said, it was from one of the his distance, distant relatives. The two of us each wanted this cap. However, he had more money than I did at the time, so he was able to purchase it. Before we left, my new friend and the other collector and I gave each other information so that we could talk to each other. This is in October of 2013. About four months later, my friend who bought this cap called me and offered to just give me the cap. After questioning him why he would give it, just give it to me, he said because it was haunted and his wife wanted to get rid of it ASAP. I accepted his offer and he shipped me the cap. As you might assume, this is an old cap. Through the years, sitting in the trunk in a barn was somewhat frail. I kept it mostly covered in a bag inside a box. A couple weeks later, I unwrapped the hat just to look it over. It was late at night, and I decided to go to bed. I left the hat on my desk uncovered. In the morning, when I got up, I walked into the kitchen to get a cup of coffee, and there it was. The cap was on the kitchen table. There's only myself and my wife living in our house. I questioned my wife, and she did not put it there. Since that time, many odd things have happened come into my office at times to find it in disarray. One time, some of the Confederate items I had out were all found in the garbage can. Like I said, many weird things have happened. I've told the hat, come out, I want to see you, and this never happened. I, about after three weeks, I wrapped up the hat and put it back in the box. Since that time, nothing has happened. Believe it or not, this hat does not scare me. Since that time, I've taken the hat out of the box and put it on my desk while I worked and have requested many times that whatever is haunting that hat to show itself to me. It never has. When I get done working, I always wrap the hat up and put it in the box. When the cap is wrapped up and in the box, nothing happens at night. So, does he ever say whether or not the cap was... Union or Confederate? I don't believe so. I'm guessing it was a Union. Considering he was thr- the items were being thrown in the trash that yeah. were Confederate. Yeah. You know your your idea of things being haunted by basically by proximity to a tragic event that we talked about yesterday. Your Captain Crunch. Yeah. Haunting. Yeah. I think possibly the cap could be a case of that because. 
war is gruesome enough, especially, you know, the things that went on during the Civil War. Sure. And to be a medic, you know, you're the one doing all the amputations and seeing the worst of the worst. So I think if anything could be haunted from the Civil War, it would be something that had to do with the medic. Sure. Or the battlefield doctor. And if he had a thing of Captain Crunch with him right before he died, that could be haunted too. Well, and I, here's how I, here's why I say that, and, and this is an interesting thought, because here's in modern times, uh, soldiers and so, sometimes will have CDs they're listening to in in a combat vehicle, um, and things of that nature. Um, objects that are otherwise not necessarily associated with war. I mean, not a lot of them, but there's some of those things that that folks have and and have on them. Some of those items could, if tragedy strikes and they're recovered, inadvertently make their way back into the line of things that are otherwise not thought of as, you know, war related. Certainly the fatigues or, you know, weaponry or things of that nature that that people are wearing. Yeah, of course, that's, you Mm -hmm. know, that's a war related item. Um, But somebody's CD or something. I mean, we're in the era of MP3s, but, you know, there's there was a time when that was what was being used. Sure. Um, you know, or an MP3 player, uh-huh. for example. Um, that could be returned to a family, somehow make it back into the mix of things and end up at a thrift store. And I'm not trying to be silly with the... Ca- Why well, I'm always trying to be silly with the Captain Crunch analogy, but it's the same difference. Yeah, it is. You know, where something like that could end up holding a energy to it or I don't know entity in some cases so I don't know just a thought my great grandmother on my dad's side Mm -hmm. sold her father's uniform from the Civil War for 60 bucks really she did it infuriated my grandmother her daughter yeah Um, was she needing more captain I don't know. It had just been hanging in the closet forever, and um, she found somebody who was interested and just sold it for like 60 bucks. Wow. Yeah. I don't even know which side he fought on. Yeah. And to not have that peace when it was still in the family. Yeah. Wow. Isn't that amazing sometimes? We mm-hmm. just go, what? What? What the hell were you thinking? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Could you ever, was there any specific markings? Was there names on the uniforms at that point in time? If you ever were to come across something like that, could it be traced? I don't know. I wonder. I mean, that far back. I don't know. I don't think there were, but I'm not, I'm not sure on that. Sure. 855-853-4802. That's our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online to share your real ghost story with us let's uh, go over here to a caller uh, at 855-853-4802 hi hello Brewskies this is what's the George uh, Ever from Bowling Green I called in about my son seeing uh, the angel my friend I served with a few episodes back a woman called in with uh, some stories from Effie Warren Air Force Base and she asked if anybody had any other stories from Air Force Base or military installations. I was stationed at McGuire Air Force Base in uh, central New Jersey, about 45 minutes from Philly. And 
it wasn't too creepy of a base, but I do have a story from a co-worker. I was in security forces, which is like the military police of the Air Force. And uh, the story comes from Anderson Air Force Base in Guam. Excuse me. And uh, the story comes from a canine handler friend of mine. All my friends were dog handlers. And it goes like this. One night, a female dog handler was out on patrol walking the fence line. And uh, she kind of warmed the story up by talking about how suspicious the native people were and, you know, how kind of into witchcraft the people on the island and how they, you know, the belief in spirits was very, you know, very, very strong and prevalent among the people. And uh, there were certain parts of town and stuff that they weren't, you know, that they were banned from going to. So uh, she's out on patrol and uh, she's doing a fence line walk and uh, it's kind of in a wooded area from what I understand and uh, all of a sudden the dog started alerting on something and, and started going crazy and the way she described it as something man figure I guess it was uh, between six and seven feet darkish in color and kind of sounded like like the figure was painted up with several tattoos and kind of markings almost kind of aboriginal I guess from what she uh, from what she described and the figure walked out and the dog was going crazy so our training kicked in and she started challenging you know the person you don't halt don't move don't move and the figure kept advancing on her and uh, I guess she she took out her pepper spray and kind of laughed and she dropped in and she pulled her firearm and she kept halting, halting, and she's calling for backup on the radio. She's screaming into the radio that, you know, something's coming after her. And that's kind of where she's like, we don't know what happened, but she unloaded her firearm. And I guess, I guess you know, the dog with ballistic, you know, urinated all over the place and was scared. And she unloaded her entire magazine and from... I never saw any records or reports. Uh, when it was told to me, she said, you can, you know, that they filed reports on it, that it's one of the actual few uh, times, you know, a weapon's actually fired on a military base. I believe it's very few and far between if they are fired, especially in the line of duty for military police. And she emptied her magazine and, you know, they showed up and they said that she was, she was sitting there, pale as a sheet, covered in sweat. and. You know, flight chief showed up and they're asking her what happened. And, you know, they call people in, they do a full search of the woods, you know, spend hours and hours. And, you know, obviously they can't find anything. There's no blood. And I, I'm not saying that we're the best shots, but even in the heat of the moment, if you empty 15 rounds at something, you would think one of those shots is going to find its target. I would like to think one of those shots would have found its target. And there was uh, there was nothing. Now they did see allegedly, like I said, this is all through somebody to me. But I wanted to share because it, it was a good military story. You know where the bullets had struck the trees and you know the surrounding area where she said this figure had been. And uh, it, it goes on that uh, she ended up being medically discharged and unable to you know pretty much perform her duties or function after that because it, it, it scared her so bad and 
that's kind of where the story ends. I have uh, another story about a wonderful trip to Wilder, Kentucky last Halloween that I'll share at a later date. As Tony said, that's, uh, that's some dark shit right there. So uh, keep it up, guys. Thanks a lot. Okay, for a military-trained officer to unload a gun, I think... I, I can't even imagine what she saw. Some dark shit. <laughs> yeah. Is what she saw. I mean, yeah, I mean, that would have to be, you know, really believing that you are in imminent danger to do that. Well, sure. And she, I have no doubt, felt that way. Well, and, and what's telling to me, too, is the dog. You know, those dogs are trained to attack when told to. Mm-hmm. And if this dog was so scared, it was urinating everywhere. Yeah. It wasn't human. They are. Those dogs aren't the type that would do that in fear in most cases. No. You know, uh, that sounds like something was very, very dark and bad that was making itself known to, to those two. And, and further confirms that it wasn't her, like, hallucinating or, or something of that nature with the fact that the dog also reacted that way. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't just, oh, she's sitting there. Did something mentally go wrong with her? Uh, probably not, if you're having the animal also flip out. Sure. So, thank you for the uh, the story uh, and the call. We really do appreciate that. Our phone number here, 855-853-4802. If you want more ghost stories, you become an EPP. It's an extra podcast person. You get a bonus episode sent to you every single week. Get access to a complete archive of past EPP episodes and videos. It's only five bucks a month. You get that email every single week uh, and access, like I said, to those past uh, episodes. Right now, we're up to about 14 uh, bonus episodes you get when you sign up uh, and that video stuff uh, as well. So, realghoststoriesonline.com. Sign up monthly, sign up yearly, whatever you can afford to do. We greatly appreciate it. It helps keep this show going. So, throw a little in the kitty and keep us alive, if you would. Kay writes in, hello, podcast folks. I'm Kay from Ottawa, Canada. Like some of your other listeners, I consider myself to be sensitive to the paranormal, though I only ever admit that in private. To the rest of the world, I'm a skeptic, a horror love, uh, a, a horror lover, in fact. Uh, it's uh, really just my boyfriend and best friends who know how squirrely ghost-themed movies can make me. Part of this is because of my mom. I grew up with a reluctant medium for a mother. I know that sounds scary, but it wasn't really. She was just always very frank with me at a very young age that ghosts were real, portals to the other side sometimes happened, and it was entirely possible to invite something bad into your life by playing with the rules laid out by superstition. The other part is that, despite all these warnings, I grew up spooky and outright goth and spent a lot of time seeking out creepy places late at night. I had the fortune or maybe misfortune to be in the right place at the wrong time more than once. Now, my first story, I'm an adult now, in my mid-30s, and my wild days are well behind me. However, in my 20s, I was a bit of a spectral ambulance chaser. If I'd heard that something really bad had happened someplace, I'd go and check it out once all the to-do cleared. Not to cause any harm or anything, but maybe to just feel or what could be felt. One of my last opportunities to do this came about in 2009. Ottawa had a lot of green space, long winding bike trails that go through woods along the river. It's beautiful by day and sometimes if there's mist or fog, really creepy at night. 
That doesn't mean people don't use it at all hours. Plenty of people uh, traverse it and uh, get to and from work or just walk their dogs. There are houses nearby, apartments and office buildings as well. One day I was asleep at an ex's place when I heard sirens. Being the creeper that I am, I of course threw on some shoes and made it out onto the lawn to see what was up. Turned out that the lady had been beaten and strangled to death and left on the path, all while I slept several meters away. My boyfriend and I wondered to each other if we'd heard anything, but we didn't think we had. Whoever had attacked her had been very quiet. Since our window was wide open, maybe it was the fact that I strained so hard to remember if I'd heard anything. Maybe it was just a touch of survivor's guilt. Starting about a month after the murder, I started to stop in the park near the spot it had happened to just to feel the place, you know? From a park bench, I could clearly see the tree that the lady had been found under. I'll never forget the feeling I felt when I first heard her voice. The wind was high and the leaves were really shaking, but I distinctly heard a soft cry of help coming from the mouth of the bike path. I froze, held my breath, and peered through the dark. Just as I started to relax, muscle by muscle, I heard a soft, drawn-out wail of no, like it was far away, but I swear I heard it right into my ear. All of my fine baby hair stood on end, like when someone whispers to you when you didn't hear them come up behind you. Now, I'm not brave. I jumped up and ran back to the ex's place and pretty much hid under the blanket for the rest of the night. It was a long time before I sat back down in that bench. Nearly a year later, they caught her killer. I read the headline in passing at a bus stop as I was waiting for the bus home. The bus was taking forever and I had to work in the morning, so I thought I'd just duck into the bike path and quickly loop around my end of the neighborhood. I didn't think much of it. Bad and dangerous people are pretty rare and I'm tall, all in black, and look mean when I need to back then. I felt safe. I had also broken up with that boy nearly a year before, so I hadn't been on the path in a while. Certainly not that spot. It was just a coincidence that I would have to bypass the location of the lady's murder on my way home. Walking quickly, I tried not to worry too much about the darkness surrounding the park and the bike path near it. The neighborhood had gotten run down since I'd left high school and some kids had smashed out the overhead lights. The lack of lights triggered a nice fit and I pulled out my Zippo and a pack of smokes. It was then that I heard the footsteps. Maybe it was because I stopped moving myself that I noticed them. It was the step and scuff of high heels on the asphalt just up ahead. Someone was taking a few steps in one direction and then making a scuffing noise, like they were turning on the ball of their foot and then a few more steps the other way. They'd repeat and come back toward me before again turning away. I won't lie and say that my hands didn't shake while I thumbed the light on my Zippo. I could make out the shape of a person, and as I touched the lights to the tip of my smoke, I heard it again. Help. This time it was different. It wasn't sad or wailing, it was a bit impatient. Worried is a good word. I said hello into the dark, and the figure moved towards me. I could hear the clicking of her shoes. The figure was definitely lady-shaped, and the rustle of her raincoat. 
She stopped well out of the dim lights from the street where it filtered through the brush. It was very still as she looked at me. It was too dark to see her face, but I know that she looked at me. Can you help me? I thought she sounded worried again, a bit distracted. What's wrong? I asked her. My social skills were a little blunt back then, and I wasn't used to being approached. I'm in a hurry, and I can't find my ring. My wedding ring. She didn't move from her spot, just a faint outline of a person. Black against slightly lighter shadows. I thought this sounded absolutely ridiculous. I was also in a rush to get home, so I started forward again. I think you're out of luck, I said as I passed her. It's too dark to find something so small. It's probably in the grass. She just turned and kept herself facing me, but there was something odd about it. I don't remember her shoes scuffing the pavement. And even though I passed within three or four feet of her, the deep shadow she was in never resolved. I never got a sense of her features other than the shape of her. Please, I know you have a light. I saw you use it. I stopped. It was true. I did have a Zippo. Okay, look. Where do you think you lost it? I'll try to see if I can spot it. She pointed to the tree alongside the path. Again, I had to pass close to her, but couldn't see her face. She stayed well back when I flicked my Zippo open and shielded the flame. Much like the lady had done. I placed a few steps back and or I paced a few steps back and forth looking for the glint of metal. When the lighter got too hot to hold, I flicked it shut again. I apologized to her for not being much help, but explained I had to go. She said something strange when I suggested that she come back in the morning. Oh no, she had said. I have a feeling it'll be found tonight. Shaking my head, I hurried home. The next morning, as I was getting ready for work, my new boyfriend was winding down his night. We often had breakfast or dinner together as I was gearing up for the office and he was easing off from his overnight shift. He's a cop, and I have to tell you, cop talk passes more quickly between law enforcement than Twitter. He filled me in on the happenings of the night before. Apparently, the captured murderer had been hooked by DNA and another assault crime. When in curiosity, the police had searched his vehicle where they had found evidence that pointed to him as the killer of the lady on the path. My boyfriend said that when the officer showed the murderer a set of wedding rings in a plastic sandwich bag, he confessed right away. So, I wasn't much help to the woman on the path, but I have to wonder about that coincidence. Was it a ghost I talked to? If so, did she find a bit of rest after her killer was captured? I don't know. I avoid that part of the path completely these days. Thanks for reading my story. I wonder what you might think of it. I have a few more experiences I'd love to tell you guys about how creepy Lower Town is. I'll write back in another time. Kay. You know what I'm afraid of? What? That that ghost of the lady that was murdered is going to continue to search for her wedding rings forever. And she's just there? Mm-hmm. And she's stuck there. Mm-hmm. That's really depressing. It is. I mean... I don't know that she would cross over now that the the killer's been caught, but... That's one of those things where you almost need um, someone, you know, like a a Cisco to kind of step in and kind of help them Mm -hmm. cross over. Go through, have the conversation, explain what's going on. What's interesting to me about that whole thing 
is that they seem to be pretty conscious there that they're doing something. How are they not conscious of the fact that they're dead? Is, is there no... You know, short-term memory there with the ghosts? You know, where they would re- recognize, oh, I've been searching for this ring in the same park for 10 years. Oh. And I've never left. You know, that... And, because then when someone steps in to help them cross over, suddenly it's like, oh, shit, you're right. <laughs> How did I... That's what I don't get. And I'm in no way discounting someone who can help them do that. I believe they can. I just don't understand how suddenly it takes someone from this side to go, hey, by the way, notice the obvious? You know? Right. You know, I don't know. Why does that suddenly spark the... And why does someone on this side have to spark that realization with them to cross over? Well, one of the thoughts I had about this story was I wondered if the woman was in the park looking for her wedding rings to begin with when she was attacked and killed. Okay. And the it, killer happened to locate them and took them with him. Or or asked to, or said, I'll, I'll help you. Or she found them yeah. right before she died, you know. Could and, it be a residual energy? Right. Maybe this isn't even a conscious, well, she did interact though. She said, can I see your lighter? Residual energies, energies don't interact. Okay. They would just be there. Okay. So it sounds like a conscious entity of some sort. It does. Any know. thoughts on that, kids? Feel free to uh, weigh in out there on the uh, the message board community up on our website at Real Ghost Stories Online. If you're new to the show, we got a nice little community of folks up there on our uh, website that uh, discuss all sorts of stories from the show. It's a great way to kind of continue on the conversation uh, of our show after it's done and really kind of get some other insight and uh, input into the things that we talk about here. So, uh, 855-853-4802. That's our phone number. If you want to call in your story to Real Ghost Stories Online, call in 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Melissa writes in, hi guys, Melissa from SC here. I've considered calling my story in since that day I found you, but I think I can relay it more clearly in writing. I believe I was around five years old when I began experiencing strange things. After being put to bed at night, I was living in Florida And at the time, my mother, who had recently divorced my father, she was, you know, she had a new boyfriend and we were living with him. It was a small house and my bedroom was right off the living room. If my door was open, I had a straight line of vision to the couch and I could see anyone who was sitting on it watching television. It all began one night when my mother put me to bed. I don't remember if I was awakened or if it started before I went to sleep, but something that I could not see but that I could definitely feel began on the floor at the foot of my bed and worked its way up onto the bed. It was making an awful noise, something between the sound of a saw and a zip, 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 and it was slapping the foot of my bed. The first time it happened, I just screamed and cried. My mother came rushing in to find nothing, and whatever it was was gone. Of course, she thought... I'd had a bad dream, uh, even though I explained that I was wide awake. This started happening a lot. Eventually, my mother got fed up, and I began getting spankings because she thought I just didn't want to go to bed, and I was left to be tortured by this thing slapping my bed while I laid there and cried quietly so my mom couldn't hear. I can't believe I didn't just go for the spankings to make this thing go away. I was able to convince her 
to at least leave the door open to my bedroom. That way, some light poured in and I could see her and her boyfriend sitting on the couch at night. But it turned out that didn't help at all. Instead of the bed slapping, I began to see apparitions. That one, uh, The one that to scare me the most was the one that looked like my mother. The entity was very short, though, maybe four feet tall. She just stood inside my door against the wall. I could look out through the bedroom door and see my mother on the couch watching TV and also see the short ghost thing that looked like my mother. So this set off a whole new reason to get those spankings. I screamed with everything I had, just like before after those few instances. I stopped screaming when these things happened because the spanking sucked. The short ghost of my mom was accompanied by others at times. They didn't look like anyone I knew, though. They never approached me. They'd appear and disappear. I'll say that I knew they were up to no good. Somehow I knew they were bad. It could be that they caused me to get so many spankings, and I still chose to scare the shit out of him, and still chose to scare the shit out of me, so I could find no good in that. Now that I can think of what happened to me from an adult perspective, I know that my child's mind didn't even know they were ghosts. I was just terrified, and I felt tormented by these unknown beings in my room. The last thing that happened to me in the house was probably the worst, and the one that has changed how I sleep in bed forever. I was asleep with my back to the wall, and that's how my bed was positioned. Something tickled me on my side, and I rolled back to see what it was. On the wall, a very tall, very black figure, but it had a red glow. It looked exactly how the devil is depicted in drawings, horns and all, but it was black and glowed red. When I looked at it, it grinned at me, I don't even know how to describe a blacker than black grin, but I can see it in my mind to this day. I pulled the covers over me so tightly, I never looked back at the wall again that night. I don't know how long it stayed there, and it did not touch me again. To this day, I cannot sleep in a bed positioned against the wall lengthwise. I don't know how long we lived in that house, but I imagine not long because we moved out around a lot. It wasn't until your show when I began to wonder if my mother might have had something to do with this. I remember, I remember before all of this happened, my mother had me pray with her with a Ouija board. I do not remember the questions she asked. My memory is mostly photographic, and I remember what it looked like with her hands on my raised hands on the board while it moved around. I really wonder if she brought something in. Unfortunately, she passed away 23 years ago when I was 17, so I can't ask her about the Ouija board or about the spanking she gave me for screaming at night. Nothing like that ever happened again, so I believe it was contained to that house or situation at the time. I have four kids now, one being 17 months old. She's going through a stage now of crying when I put her to bed, sometimes a little more hysterical that I think is normal, and I can't help but wonder if she ever sees anything that scares her like I did when I was little. I'm sure it's typical for a baby her age, but my mind goes there anyway. Of course, I would also choose to listen rather than speak if I ever found out my children had something like this happen to them. I guess my mother was just cut from a different cloth. Thanks for sharing. Love your show. Melissa. I wonder how often the monster in the closet and the monster under the bed are actually ghosts that children are seeing. I think it happens. Um, I, I think 
more times than not, it's probably just imagination. But I think there's probably a chunk of those that are just simply dismissed. And see, knowing that we, meaning my family, has stuff happen to us, Mm -hmm. I would have a hard time being mad at the girls if they came and said that they thought they had something in their room. Well, it's just a matter... I mean, sometimes you're asking some questions. Mm -hmm. You can usually tell... I think I have a pretty good bullshit meter. (laughs) You do, yes. On when... um, you know, our older one is saying something that I know she's completely making up. Right. Um, and I can tell when she's being sincere. Like, sometimes we've talked... We, we've even done this, where we've talked about the show a little bit, and we don't go into great detail on a lot of our episodes with her, because I don't want to give her nightmares. And she's a little bit dramatic. Yeah. And there was one time we were talking about some things with the show, and she said something to the effect of, and I knew she was just completely making it up, to, to be like, look at me. Mm-hmm. It, it was something to the effect of, well, I think I see things sometimes. But it was just like, yeah. Yeah. I didn't buy into it at all. No. It was strictly for because we'd already been talking about it. If she thought that that would have gotten her attention yeah. at the time, if she were really seeing things, it, we would have already known about it. And it would have continued on into the conversation. Mm-hmm. She would have already, if she actually had seen things, she would have told us. Yes. That's the thing. She'd be the first to be up here going, there's, you know, a dwarf zombie in my room or, something, you know, or whatever it is. Um, she would have, have talked about it. But sometimes, you know, your kids just say really bizarre things. I can't think of any time she's ever said anything that really made me think there was something no. around you. No, not not her. No. Um, concerned sometimes when Harper waves and there's nothing there. Yeah. But not even there. I don't think. I don't think either of them are seeing anything. Now, I think sometimes Harp just, you know, will see shadows and will spot something she didn't realize was in her room or something. Um, I, I don't think she's seeing anything. But of the two of them, I would think Harper would be the one that would be seeing or having things happen to her. Why is that? Because Harper's the littlest empath. Yeah, because she does react very emotionally to mm-hmm. other people's emotions, even when they're not visible. Or she, even maybe not, not in the same room with her. Yeah. She can... She feeds off of energy like nothing I've ever seen before. Yeah, yeah. Well, here's a thought for this this woman who wrote in the letter to us uh, about not being able to uh, know what her mother was doing uh, with the Ouija board. Uh, She could try contacting her mom for the Ouija board. No. (laughs) We don't encourage that. I'm kidding. That would be a bad idea. Although there's plenty of folks that would be like, yeah, do it. Um, I don't encourage doing such a thing because you're probably not going to get your mom. Uh, you'll get someone pretending to be your mom, but not your mom. Uh, here's a little interesting follow-up that somebody had. Heard you all talking about uh, that there should be uh, ghosts involved during the Christmas holidays. And in England, it is a tradition to tell ghost stories on Christmas, which is why a Christmas carol is so special. Uh, would love to hear from some of the UK listeners about their traditions. I've heard of a game called Snapdragon involving rum raisins lit on fire usually before ghost stories are told, is how I understood it. So what, you eat the rum raisins and then tell ghost stories? That sounds like fun. Get a little schnockered up and then yeah. <laughs> suddenly everything's more spooky. <laughs> we should do a whole show where every time I think something's demonic, uh, I eat a rum raisin. <laughs> and every time you tell me to uh, shut up or roll your eyes at me, you eat a rum raisin. Okay. And by the end of the show, you won't be able to understand anything. But it would be a good show. It would be a great Christmas show. 
<laughs> That's our Christmas show, kids. Well, I always wondered in the It's the Most Wonderful Time of the Year song, they talk about they've got that lyric, tell scary ghost stories mm-hmm. and tales of the glories. Yeah. Christmas is long That's ago. That's a UK thing. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense to me now. Scrooged is also a great Christmas movie. I know you don't like it. It's a Bill Murray movie. I enjoy it. And it's funny because that's one of them that when I'm looking for classic movies because I'm trying to find some good ones to to get, to have, when I go out and look at the store, that's always on the shelves. It's because nobody buys it. (laughs) Is that it? It's just every year it's like, oh, we still got this one to put out. You can't find Home Alone, but Scrooge is there. Scrooge is there. there. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Hey, uh, something interesting uh, because this episode um, is going to be going out uh, on our our regular feed uh, through iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, TuneIn Radio, and the other 5,000 podcast things that are out there on YouTube. I think I mentioned YouTube. Uh, But this is uh, the episode that we're going to broadcast out there on another platform. We've mentioned this to our EPPs before, Mm -hmm. but I don't think on the normal show. So I want to welcome uh, all of our listeners that are tuning in uh, to the show now uh, on Dark Matter Radio, which uh, for those of you who are listening on the regular podcast feed, not on Dark Matter, um, Dark Matter is uh, essentially uh, kind of what the, the Art Bell Radio Network is uh, as of right now. Uh, Keith, who has always done Art's website throughout the years, uh, runs uh, an online radio network, and it basically plays paranormal radio shows uh 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's a stream you can tune into. And those of you who are listening to it are well aware of this fact. I'm just filling in our listeners who are not listeners of, uh, of Dark Matter. But they are now running our show uh, once a week. Uh, Sunday nights uh, at midnight is when they, they run the episode. Uh, and uh, then it's replayed um, several times uh, throughout uh, the next day and then throughout the week. So a whole new uh, group of folks. Uh, so if you are enjoying the show, welcome. But uh, this is, as you cannot tell, if you cannot tell, a show fairly based around the old ghost to ghost AM concept. Um, and, uh, and we love doing this show. So welcome to it. Uh, make sure you uh, check out our website uh, for a past archive of shows if you enjoy it. There are hundreds of them. So if you like a good ghost story and you like the ghost to ghost stuff, you've uh, you found a good show to listen to and get creeped out by of course our website realghoststoriesonline.com so we're excited to be part of that network and uh, like i said welcome uh to listening to uh to our scary shows here uh on the dark matter radio network and uh, also through of course our feeds that we we send out there every single week so kind of neat stuff very cool so. yes that about does it for uh, for today's episode of Real Ghost Stories Online. If you want more ghost stories, make sure you become an EPP and uh, help keep our show alive. It is supported by you guys. We ask for five bucks a month, and you, of course, get access to all of our regular shows. But you get a bonus episode every week as well that only goes to our EPPs. We send it out via email every week and give you exclusive access to all those bonus episodes as a little uh, added something something for your added something something that keeps our ship afloat realghoststoriesonline.com is where you sign up to be an EPP so until next time for Jenny Bruski, I'm Tony Bruski. thanks for listening to another episode of Real Ghost Stories Online
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply.